Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, Fever Dreams is no longer producing new episodes, so I wanted to share another political podcast from the Daily Beast. It's called The New Abnormal. Enjoy this episode and subscribe at thedailybeast.com slash podcast or on your favorite major podcast player. Last weekend, we sat in horror as details of a mass killing at the Allen Outlet Mall in Texas started coming out. And in the days since, we've learned more about the shooter, Mauricio Garcia. Here to bring us up to date is Daily Beast reporter Kelly Weil. Kelly, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It seems like much, if not all, of what we know about Garcia comes from an account he apparently had on a Russian social media site, OK.RU. So let's start with this. What exactly is that? It's probably something very few Americans had heard about before this. Yeah, that's right. It's a Russian social media site. It's not someplace you go to get, you know, 20,000 followers because you're just certainly not going to get that kind of audience there among English speakers. But the upside to people who dabble in extremism is because there are so few English speakers there, there are so few mods, you're much less likely to get a ban for posting pro-Hitler stuff than you would on, say, Facebook or something like that. So that's how we ended up getting, you know, frankly, years of this guy's neo-Nazi diary pretty much intact. So that's basically what it was. I've seen it described as that, you know, it's called a social media site and it's not that you don't have followers, I guess, but it it was more for him like a diary than like him looking, you know, for responses and dialogue and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the worst, you know, blog spot you've ever read. (laughs) Right. Oh, God. I've seen the usual idiots on the right asking, well, why would this guy have an account on a Russian social media site? And I assume the answer to that is what you said. He knew it wouldn't be moderated and he wasn't really interested in any back and forth. He just wanted to post his Nazi thoughts. Yeah, I think it's pretty much that. I mean, he was not really plugged into many communities that I've been able to find so far. He was very uh, certainly inspired by a lot of far right influencers, but doesn't seem to be in dialogue with them. Is really just kind of steeping in his own horrible ideology for a couple of years, not looking to exchange that with other people. So I guess as we've learned, and as you said, you know, we've got years of his pro-Hitler stuff. Much of his posting was racist, was enthusiastically pro-Nazi, it was anti-Semitic, it was misogynistic. And I guess there was some incel stuff. Tell us about some of the things he wrote. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm really glad you point out the incel stuff because, you know, as reporters, I think it's very easy. And certainly I do this to point out like this guy was a literal neo-Nazi, right? I mean, if you're trying to indicate somebody's ideology, there's the, you know, almost made in Hollywood evil demarcator there. Right. But the incel stuff is I think especially insidious and often uh, seeps under our radar because almost everybody hopefully can recognize that neo-Nazis are bad. But I think a lot of incel ideology is a bit more pernicious. It jives with more mainstream sexism that some people overlook. And this guy was uh, very open about, you know, hating women, about feeling entitled to women, about feeling like he wasn't getting his due with women, all, all kinds of things like that. And I think that kind of sexism is a real through line 
among bigots, among, you know, killers and racists and all kinds of people who show up later in horrible events. We see histories of them either mistreating female relatives, domestic partners, or having writings of this sort. And I think it really does speak to you know, this kind of person's desire to have power over people, right? To be able to hurt and feel superior. And, you know, we live in a society that does suggest, you know, male supremacy, what have you. And for somebody who I don't think has too much else going for him, well, that's a very compelling claim to feel better than somebody. And so I think when you have that ideology coupled with the inability to, yeah, to to feel better than a certain woman, to have a girlfriend, to have someone to lord it over, I think that's where the uh, incel violence comes out. And we certainly saw it in his writings. Yeah, that's really interesting. I guess I should say, for because we may have listeners who aren't up on the latest terminology, incel is a sort of smush word, as they say, that stands for involuntarily celibate. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's it's so funny. You know, that terminology came out of like a, you know, a minor medical writing that somebody did actually, you know, describing people who had medical inabilities and, you know, couldn't form romantic partnerships. But instead of, you know, maybe talking about why some people aren't in partnerships, this whole misogynistic movement sprung up around the term incel and saying that, you know, it's a hard-boiled characteristic of them that they can't get laid and it's women's fault and women are, you know, by one token, you know, awful sluts or whatever, and they're also too withholding and they're not giving right. these men what they're owed. I do think there's a tendency to, you know, make fun of incels and be like, haha, you can't get a girlfriend. And yeah, that's absolutely true. They can't. But it's more than just, you know, a frustration with the inability to have sex. It's, uh, it's it's, it's a misogynistic movement. It's a male supremacist movement. And a lot of these men, frankly, don't want anything to do with women in any kind of normal, respectful sense. Yeah. A couple of days ago, a professor at Queen's University in, I think it's Kingston, Canada, posted what I thought was an interesting thread on Twitter. I'll read a bit of it because I'm curious for your take. He wrote, of Garcia, all of his posts going back several years are littered with not only misogynistic content, but explicit incel terminology. His loneliness literally jumps off the page. As the years go by, you can see the attraction to Nazis arrive to kind of soothe his inseldom. The Nazis are strong men who don't need women. Nazis, according to him, were the best warriors, and incels are the best warriors. We're all used to seeing the convergence of far-right views and misogyny, but he seems to be bringing them together in a unique way. They serve each other in new ways. Does this strike you as true? Oh, that's so interesting. I, I do think so. I think that Nazism is acting as kind of a salve for this guy. And as his biographical details emerged, a lot of people were saying, well, a guy named Mauricio Garcia is a white supremacist. That doesn't make any sense. He doesn't sound white to me. And I mean, I can say a few things here. One is that, you know, whiteness is kind of a construction and it doesn't always work in binary ways, especially in the Latino community. You know, there's just a million gradations and people view themselves differently. But the other thing I will say about that is that, you know, this idea of being this big, powerful, masculine figure or this idea of, you know, Nazis as this crusading dominant force, I think is really appealing to people who don't have power. If you read this guy's writing, because uh, the professor is totally right to characterize him as very alone, does not seem happy at all. You know, I think fitting yourself into this 
idea of being a soldier or a warrior or a Nazi does sort of reconfigure a person's bruised ego into something that's, well, you know, I'm just this lone warrior. I'm so strong. I'm independent. I don't need other people. I don't need community. And because I do think a lot of these killers, I think a lot of uh, disaffected young men do emerge out of persistent loneliness. They don't have community. They don't have people setting them right. They don't have, you know, normalizing ties and And so this is a way to take those personal failings and make them into something that lets them, you know, have the delusion of strength for a minute. Yeah, I I think it's an excellent point. And that's, you know, I I sort of, I guess I stumbled across this thread. Someone must have retweeted it into my timeline and I read the whole thread and I was like, well, that's really, really interesting. And it kind of struck me that it sort of used to be that a person like Garcia who had trouble with women or whatever, can't you become a monk instead? (laughs) You know, can't you find the eremitic lifestyle and go cloister yourself? And I'm I'm like joking, but I'm also kind of not. It was also like, you know, Please find religion and channel your issues into a, you know, slightly less destructive way than Nazism. Andy, this is like something I think about a lot. And this is a place where I'm a real internet doomer because I do think in many respects, the internet has, you know, dissuaded us from finding certain IRL communities, right? Certain in-person interactions and partnerships that I think are really necessary and normalizing for people. And instead people go online and they find a small circle of people with their same, you know, minor grievance, and they all just express the most extreme version of their feelings for years on end. And it just doesn't promote, I think, a normal or healthy outlook to the world. So yeah, I mean, I think in the past, of course, there are always weird people, always bad people, but you would think that some kind of I don't know, in-person commiseration or community, something like that would have provided more of a check against this kind of extreme, extreme thinking. Whereas these days, if a young man is feeling bad about himself, about his, you know, his relationships, his prowess with women, he can just go online and, you know, find a whole cohort of other equally positioned young men who will tell him it's nothing wrong with you. It's just that women are evil. And, you know, that doesn't help anyone with growth. Yeah. I mean, Tim Pool didn't exist 20 years ago. (laughs) And, you know, now we have a guy who listens to people like Tim Pool, watches their YouTube videos and just gets further and further socialized into this sort of, like you said, like this sort of cohort of like-minded people who don't have uh, maybe the world's best interests at heart. No, not at all. And what I think is especially interesting about the uh, the incel movement, I'll even pull an example from like two weeks ago. There was this guy who was a long time, years long moderator on one of the biggest incel forums. And at what, like age 33 or something recently, he got a girlfriend. And rather than all the other incels be like, hey, you know, congratulations, man, you made it out of this condition that we all you know claim to hate. They were mad at him. They called him a traitor. Right. You know, you gave yourself over to women and that's evil. And this is what's just so fascinating to me in a perverse way about incels, or if they want to call themselves that, is that they're not actually looking to improve. A lot of them aren't actually looking to, you know, have a normal relationship with women. They've made this 
complaint that they have into a whole identity for themselves. And if you spend several years like that, it becomes something that's very hard to relinquish. You view yourself in the context of other incels. It becomes almost a weird badge of pride. Some of them call themselves wizards, like they think that they're in some weird way enlightened over other, you know, all those silly men who are shacked up with women, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's I, I, I really think that it's possible for people to form an identity around these really hateful kernels and ultimately never try to improve. Yeah, I remember that. I know that thread you're talking about. I remember reading that and it struck me. It's like, do these guys not know what the in part of incel stands for? It's involuntary. Like there is another whole thing called volcel, which is voluntarily celibate. And it sounds like that's what a lot of these incels are actually vile cells. Like they, as you said, they've made it part of their personality and then they get mad when, when someone who supposedly is this way involuntarily finds a way out of it. Yeah, absolutely. More credence to your become a monk theory. I think that's extreme. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have too much going on, you're not proud of anything. Well, at least this one weird trait is something that you can cling to. It's almost like, you know, the kid in middle school who knew that they were annoying. So they just became really loud. And it's like, oh, that's crazy, Ronnie. Except, right. you know, this is, you know, outright bigotry toward half the world's population. Right. <laughs> Look, I could talk about incel, vile cell stuff all day because I find <laughs> it fascinating. But I, obviously there was more to this guy. So let's Let's touch on that. And you brought up that much has been made by the usual idiots on the right of the fact that Garcia was Hispanic and therefore couldn't be a white supremacist. But he actually talked about that in his post, didn't he? He did. Yeah. I mean, so again, one thing to break down is that, you know, race is wonky and weird. Of course. And it's something that we make up all the time. And that a lot of leading kind of white supremacist figures, or at least a couple, are of Hispanic descent. I'm thinking about Nick Fuentes. He's a, a vlogger personality. He was at Unite the Right. You know, he's, he's just, he, he was someone that Garcia name-checked a couple times in his writing. So even, you know, that relation to a marginalized class doesn't necessarily prevent people from being hateful. And one thing that Garcia says a couple times, he kind of references that adjacency between Hispanicness and whiteness, right? He's saying that, well, maybe if white people are, you know, Hispanic people will be kind of welcomed into this. Um, and he seems to sort of think that, you know, in a sad way that compliance with these hateful ideologies will make those people accept him. I think that's something that we run into from a number of marginalized people, you know, people in the queer community who say that, well, it's okay that Republicans target trans people because I'm not trans. I'm just gay and I'm not taking it too far. Dave Rubin, is that you? <laughs> Here I am, ambushed, ambushed the pod. No, but you know, it's a real lack of solidarity. I think it's a real uh, self-debasement, you know, just hoping that, you know, if we if we grovel enough, they'll welcome us in. Yeah, it's the I'm one of the good ones thing, except it's I'm one of the bad ones. I think people don't understand, and, and I, I, I really hate getting into subjects like this, but if you want to get technical about it, Hispanic or Latino is an ethnicity, not a race. And Latinos can be any race. Right, absolutely. And that's just another, you know, that's another way that race is so much more complicated and socially constructed than these reductivists want to think. I mean, <laughs> I'm in a lot of Nazi forums for my work. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> 
I won't hide that. I'm not a poster, just an observer. But I see these people post their uh, their DNA testing all the time. They love doing 23andMe to prove just how white they are. Uh-huh. And you see again and again, they get some uh, surprises, right? You know, because everybody is, race is just so complex. Right. And it's, we jam people into these very, very binary uh, categories where these binaries don't exist at all. Yeah. And so, you know, a hundred years ago, if you were, I don't know, Polish or Jewish, you might not be considered white in the U.S., whereas now you are. These categories are always shifting. Uh, a lot of Latino folks are considered white. It's just so fake, Andy. And so yeah. that's why yeah. I, yeah. yeah. So that's why to hear people argue that he couldn't have done this, he wasn't white. It's like, well, look where his priorities are i'd say they're with whiteness yeah and of course the police have now confirmed that you know we saw pictures in his posts of what we assumed was him with nazi tattoos with a swastika on his chest with uh schutzstaffel or ss lightning bolts on his arm and the police have confirmed that those were very much on his body yeah absolutely (laughs) i think i think that was one of the 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 grimly funniest things when early on when uh, police indicated that he might have some Nazi affinities, you know, everyone on the right was trying to cover their tracks and be like, hey, that's just the police saying that you trust the police. <laughs> right. Eight hours later, it's like, well, there's his swastika tattoo. So I don't know what else he wants. And now, of course, the rights retort is the swastika tattoo is too fresh for him to have been a, a long time committed Nazi. Yeah, it was all part of the deep state plan. Absolutely. Yeah. All the other mass shootings didn't work to take our guns, but this one might. Right. Right. And I saw someone point out that, like, if this was a deep state plan, why would you use someone who is Latino? That would raise all of these questions. But of course, you know, we're not talking about logic here. There's so much more to talk about with this, but I'm I'm getting short on time. And I want to ask you about something else that you've been covering. Amon Bundy, who People may remember from 2014 armed standoff with the Bureau of Land Management and law enforcement, or if you've forgotten about that, perhaps the 2016 armed occupation of the headquarters at a national wildlife refuge. He is currently being sued for defamation and harassment by an Idaho hospital. What's the latest there? Oh, man. So basically, the the backstory with this hospital lawsuit is Ammon Bundy was running for governor, trying to gin up support and donations. He also runs something called the People's Rights Network, which is a uh, right-wing activist network. They specialize in doing on-the-ground protests. Uh, One of the People's Rights Network's member's grandson was, he was a baby doctor, said he was malnourished, said the parents weren't cooperating. So the state version of Child Protective Services put him in the hospital for treatment for a couple days, and then the baby was released to his parents. During that time, the baby was in the hospital. Ammon Bundy and his followers said that the baby had been kidnapped, that it was part of potentially some child trafficking ring, that he was vaccinated against the parents' will, because of course, all these people are anti-vaxxers. So Ammon Bundy uh, got sued for death Information. He allegedly started this huge harassment campaign against individual doctors, also blocked the hospital's ambulance wing for a while. Hospital had to shut down. He is, uh, he's getting his ass kicked in court. He's not even crying, right? He really doesn't have much of a case. He hasn't showed up in court. The judge in that case recently issued a default ruling uh, in the hospital's favor because Ammon won't show up. Well, now Ammon is basically saying, uh, you can't serve me with legal papers. That's harassment. You're trespassing on my land. And so he has rallied his supporters to his side. And it's not quite a standoff. You know, it's not any of the scenes that you saw in 2014, 2016. But 
I think it's kind of an indication that he has that clout. I think he's sort of showing off that I can bring people to my side if I need to. And so it's going to be a really interesting case. There's just this week, it was alleged that he's hiding assets from the court to prevent all his belongings and finances being seized. So it's a really weird one. It's pretty tense. Haven't seen any indications that it's going to go full mail your ranch standoff level, but it's tense. Yeah. I I mean, look, I wouldn't bet against it given old Ammon's history. So obviously we got to keep a a close eye on that. And look, uh, before I let you go, Kelly, I just want to say, I know uh, Fever Dreams, the Daily Beast podcast that you co-hosted with Will Summer has ended. And I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed listening to it and I'm sorry it's gone. And I hope you'll come on here and talk about, you know, a lot of the things you guys used to talk to on there. Oh, thanks, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. I've got like an hour's worth of extra talk built up in me every week. So (laughs) invite me on and let me rip. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Kelly, thanks so much. Really appreciate you coming on. I'll be enjoying reading your stuff at the Daily Beast, hopefully for a long time. Right on. Thanks, Andy. We had such an incredible time making this podcast and want to thank you for joining us each week as we explored the shifting landscape of the fringe right. To continue following the impact ultra conservatives have on the country, please tune into The New Abnormal, where our colleagues Danielle Moody and Andy Levy talk to some of the biggest names in politics every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Listen at thedailybeast.com slash podcasts or your favorite major podcast player. And thanks again for joining us on Fever Dreams. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.